Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Bulldogs podcast. I am Daniel, and as we said earlier, Clint is not here this week, but we got a special guest, uh, Brooks Austin. Um, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming on. No doubt, Daniel. I appreciate you having me on. Is Clint dodging me? What, what happened? Yeah, what, Clint, why, I mean, am I Clint, not good enough for Clint? What's going on? Clint's, Clint said Brooks is coming on. I'm out. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm man, not. I'm not here for it. But I, uh, I drew the short straw, and so I'm the one that has short to talk straw. to you today. Golly, both uh, of them take it, Jeff. Uh, so. Look, if, if you're a listener to this podcast, then you know that Clint and I make no bones about it. We are Georgia fans. We are not insiders or gurus of any kind. And so from time to time, we like to bring on a bona fide, legit guru and insider. Uh, and that's what exactly what Brooks is. Uh, I, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you already follow him. You already know his stuff. Um, but if you don't, uh, this podcast will show you. Uh, that that you absolutely need to be doing that. So Brooks, I, I got a whole gamut of questions that I've already loaded up for I don't you. Mean to, I don't mean to cut you off a, a minute and a half into this, but no, but it man, seems that like was you an are. intro, my bro. That was an intro, my bro. Yeah, look, we're look. this. It's it's no joke. You come on the podcast, and we we require all of our listeners to go and, and follow all of your stuff. And so, yeah. I mean, you can expect at least 12 extra downloads from your, like, on, on all your on all your stuff. So, no. That's, that's what's up, man. That's what, that's. Is this the first time you've been reaching out to me? What's been going on, man? I, I, I'm going to always say yes, guy. What's going on? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we're glad that you're here. We're happy to have you. And so, uh, yeah, let's get into it. All right, Brooks. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about the quarterbacks on this team. Um, really, specifically, let's talk about the quarterbacks on next year's team. JT Daniels obviously comes in and shows what a Georgia offense with a competent quarterback uh, can look like. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there's some rumblings about the NFL draft. There's all this there's all this kind of speculation about the possibility of of next season with him or without him. And so I want to know from you. Uh, one, what's the likelihood of JT Daniels being the starting quarterback for Georgia next season, in your opinion? And on a scale of one to ten, how important is it for Georgia that JT Daniels come back? How much of a regression are we looking at if he's not back? I, I think you're looking at a guy that's like a 50-50 thing. It all depends on what, you know, kind of A, how he finishes out of the season. He needs these last two two games, first of all. Uh, from an evaluation standpoint, right? You've got to get more film on the kids. So there's nobody on the roster that wants and needs these two games more than JT Daniels at this point and Georgia for that matter. Um, he's played exceptionally well at this point, and he flashed so many great signs at USC, um, you know, over the 11 starts out there, so or 12 starts out there before he hurt his knee. Um, just just some, some every once in a while uh, mistakes, just whether it be mental mistakes or, you know, stuff with it in, in, in his lower half that made him a little bit less – accurate and now he's I mean he's he's 70% right now and he's making all the flash throws so if if he gets a good taste of or, or gets a good report from the NFL draft um yeah maybe he does go I think that's one thing Kirby's staff does that um is is really impressive how, how much information they give the, these kids about you know the decision to whether or not to go into the NFL draft I think they research it and speak to as many GMs as probably anybody in college football um 
and it's why you see a lot of guys. There's no, there's no hard feelings. They don't tell them either which way. They just give them the report straight up. And that's why I think you see a lot of guys taking business decisions. And, and a couple, apart from a couple of uh, examples, you know, everybody pretty much does okay when they go to the NFL draft out of Georgia. It may not be first round, but they're almost all getting drafted. So um, he leaves yeah, it up no. to the players. Yeah, you're right. There's the 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 Trenton Thompsons of the world are are kind of the exception to the rule. To your point, the yeah, the Evander that, Holyfields they're 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 rare exceptions. Everybody else is pretty much in the league hanging out, like playing yeah, ball. So exactly, they're all um, doing and this, day, you know? this this twenty one twenty one class is certainly loaded with quarterbacks, and so hopefully that plays to Georgia's advantage and gives us one more year of J T. Daniels. What kind of a regression? If, if Daniels is gone, obviously we're looking at, at Brock Vandegrift for next year. We're looking at, I mean, what? Like, what, what we're sitting at so, Carson Beck or we're sitting at, like, yeah, where are we at? We're, we're, you're kind of honestly in, the, in a very, very similar situation to what you were in this year where you head into a season and <clears throat> who you would think would be the two guys fighting for the job um, in the sense of Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift, they have very little experience in college football just like you were this year. Going into this season, I think Stetson Bennett had 27 uh, career passing attempts. Um, it'll be a little bit different next year, obviously, because Stetson's played a couple of games. But um, you'll be back in the same situation at the beginning of the season as you were last, where you got a guy that's ultimately going to win a job that's very inexperienced. The most experienced quarterback on the roster will be Stetson Bennett. It'll be like four games, right? So yeah. um, not only do you, you lose an immaculate talent and a guy who's completely uh, turned this Munkin offense around in a short time um, and energized that wide receiver room, uh, you, you go back to kind of square one with another quarterback battle, um, which is the last place you want to be uh, in college football. You got to find a guy, find him early and ride him and, and, and hope, hopefully ride him to good results. Man, you're telling me the only time Georgia fans wanted a quarterback battle was in 2018 and we couldn't get one. And um, yeah, that seems like Kirby has been in a state of perpetual quarterback battles, perpetual young quarterbacks. Um, and so that is the last thing. Some continuity would be key. Um, what I love about what you do, Brooks, and so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of segue in. You mentioned Todd Munkin. You mentioned the things that uh, we've been able to see with JT Daniels at the helm. You know, we're not going to sit here and throw shade at Seth and Bennett, but I think there's a clear, uh, an obvious talent differential between, you know, the two quarterbacks that have spent the most time uh, leading Todd Munkin's offense. And so I, I love that, you know, I'm a, I'm a football fan. I watch a ton of football, but I'm certainly not breaking down film. I'm certainly not uh, diving deep into the, you know, all 22s or whatever. Uh, and I love the way that you explain uh, film study to a fan like me. And so uh, what is it about Todd Monken's offense for the casual fan, the football fan, but maybe not the guru? What is it about Todd Monken's offense that makes it successful or that you've seen make it successful this year that can give Georgia fans some hope moving forward? All right. So it's really hard without the, the actual film like to show you. Right. So let me sure. put it as simple as possible. Todd Monken does a lot of things to put individuals in one-on-one -on -one situations, and he believes in his wide receivers to win them, all that is required is for a quarterback to take the chance on those one-on-ones, okay? He's a former wide receivers coach. That is his yeah. background. That's, that's his MO. That's who he is in his DNA. His DNA is figure out a way to get my guys on the edge opportunities um, and for big plays. 
So he designs his whole entire offense to get one-on-one situations like that. Um, similar to an LSU from last year, right? It's the same concept from Brady. They just do it a different way. Um, it's, the, it's the same end result or the intended end result. Um, it's just the different pieces going in it, and they do it in a different way. But it's all predicated on giving wide receivers one-on-one opportunities. So when you've got a quarterback, finally, that puts those wide receivers in one-on-one situations or they're already in there, and then they win with very catchable balls, especially uh, deep balls, then it's going to get explosive. That's, that's what it is. That's how, he, that's how he builds the offense. I mean, it, it doesn't take a, a super genius watching the All-22 to realize this year that, oh, wow, for the first time in a long time, people are running wide open. And, and not yeah. only running wide open, but running wide open down the middle of the field, right? I, I feel like that's the biggest argument or the biggest complaint from offenses in Georgia's history. We don't, we don't cover the middle of the, or middle of the field very often. He, he's doing that. He's hitting shots down the middle of the field or giving opportunities to do so. Uh, Daniels is finally hitting them. Yeah, you saw that even a little bit with Stetson Bennett to open the year, yeah. hitting Kieran Jackson several times over the middle and whatnot. But but then Daniels came in and it, um, and it really seemed to open things up. It seemed to open things up even more. All right, we got lots more with uh, Brooks that we're going to get to. I'm going to ask him some more questions about the offense, some questions about the defense, some big picture questions about Georgia football, and we'll get to all that right after this. Sometimes you just need to chill, and when that is the case, you reach for the beer that is literally made to chill. It's Coors Light. It is cold-filtered, cold-lagered, cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is the official beer of sitting on your couch and doing nothing but watching college football. Uh, When life is overwhelming, when the pressures of the holidays or your job or whatever are uh, too much, then you need to reach for the beer that is made to chill, and that's Coors Light. You can get Coors Light in its new look packaging delivered straight to your door by going to get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Or if you don't want to chill if you want to in fact do the exact opposite of chilling then that's where the fine folks over at built bar and particularly the delicious protein energy paste built go comes in uh built bar you already know that they make the best tasting protein bar in the world and now they are in the energy game as well and so whenever Whatever the wall is that's in front of you, whether it's the 3 o'clock at your office, can't get through the rest of the day, whether it's going into your workout or coming back from your workout or pushing through that extra little bit rest of your day that you have in front of you, Built Go is going to help you break through your wall. It comes in three delicious flavors. It's five hours of sustainable energy with no crash at the end. Go to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code Locked On, and you are going to get 20% off your entire order. That includes all of the flavors of Built Go. Go to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code Locked On. And you're going to get 20% off your entire order. Built Go, let's go. All right, Brooks, uh, we talked about the offense a little bit. I got one more offense for you. Uh, what, who's, who's a better wide receiver at the end of their Georgia career, Arian Smith or Jermaine Burton? Real simple, straightforward question. Oh, 
who's the best wide who's the better wide receiver when they leave to go play on Sunday? Oh, oh man, that's a really tough question. Because yeah, that's, that's if, why I if, ask you because I don't know. Yeah, like if if you know you know you know me. It sounds like you know me. So yeah. you you know that I've been riding Jermaine Burton for like you know what yeah. twelve months at this point. I saw him literally a month, like a year ago in five days. It's not like an anniversary for me, but it was the first time it's, I ever saw a guy that was like. It sounds like, like you really it, you've been counting down the days. Hold on, like, man. <laughs> let me let me get to you. Let me get to you. So it was the first guy that I and I've seen Kyle Pitts work out. I've seen all those guys work out. Uh, uh, A-Rick Gilbert, um, some some real freaky individuals. Miles Campbell, the kid going to Tennessee. Um, you know, I'm not going to run the stat sheet, but there's been a lot of them. Sure. Jermaine, yeah. Jermaine Burton was like a – you watch him in the – it takes like eight minutes. It's called – I call it dummy scouting. Like, it, it's impossible to go watch Jermaine Burton work out for five minutes and not go, oh, he's different than everybody standing around here. He's totally different. That's why he's playing over guys like Demetrius Robinson. Demetrius Robinson mm-hmm. ain't no scrub. So um, – I've seen that guy work out. I've never seen Arian up that close. I will tell you, I, they both got something that the other one may never have. Jermaine's never going to run that fast. Arian will never run routes that clean. So it's whichever one you want. I mean, that's, that's, that's your preference. If you prefer the guy that's going to take the top off for four catches and 180 yards, Arian's your guy. If, you're, if you need the guy that's going to catch 12 balls for 220, Jermaine's your guy. So it, it, it's, it's all preference. Yeah, and well, this to answer is, your, it sounds like I kind of dodged your question, but um, no, that's to, good. to say who's going to have the who's going to have the better career, um, it's your preference. If you, it, I, it's going to be a, like a Mecole versus a Calvin Ridley kind of discussion. Who had the better career? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, so absolutely. I, I, and that's the problem that you want to have. You want to be absolutely. You want to be comparing the Henry Ruggs as the, <laughs> yeah, the Jalen Waddle. Look what we're doing with world. Alabama yeah, constantly. Exactly. Like, yeah. Which, which Bama guy do you like best? That's one the next elite conversation after the yeah, break. Exactly. That was a good one. No, yeah, we're not we're not looking to have that <laughs> we'll conversation on this podcast. So yeah, we're not. It's just just gonna throw us into depression. All right. Speaking of depression, <laughs> let's talk about the defense uh, because a lot of Georgia fans, possibly present company included, have been. Uh, we Clint and I have been saying this defense is not going to be – it's not going to meet expectations this season. We've been saying that all year because the expectations were ridiculously high. And I think a lot of Georgia fans would say this defense has not met our expectations. So I want to ask you kind of big picture looking at the defense and maybe even focusing on the defensive backs in particular. Is, is there a problem with the defense, first of all? Uh, and, and is the problem with the defense that there has been some sort of a regression – or is it that we have just played some really freaking good offenses this year, Bama, Florida, uh, et cetera? Um, what do you see when you look at the tape and you look at the defense that has led to uh, some of its less memorable moments in 2020? So let's, let's start with the, the attrition, right? They, they had a key loss at each level of the defense from a year ago when they were historic. Don't get it twisted. They were historic. Best defense since 1981 at the University of Georgia. That's how good they were. So to walk into this year and anyone spitting the narrative of, oh, they might be, they might be better this year. Wrong. Like history is history for a reason. It only gets broken a couple of times. So, to, so the idea that they were going to be statistically better to me was nonsense. Then you add into the fact they're playing all to you know SEC schedule. There are no breaks. There are no times to get your depth work in these. You know, some people call them cupcake cupcake games. There's no opportunity to get Channing Tindall uh, reps in yeah. live games. There's no opportunities to get Chris Smith reps in football games. So when you lose 
uh, players at key positions in season, that's one thing. But when Tyler Clark leaves, when um, Tay Crowder leaves, and when J.R. Reed leaves, that's a defensive lineman, a linebacker, and a safety. And three really, really good ones. So attrition, attrition at each level. And then this year, you're talking about even more injuries. You lose another one up front in Jordan Davis. Um, your linebacker crew's been banged up all year. And then uh, Richard LeCount goes down. So yeah, to me, to me, it's, a more, it's more of a, a test of attrition. How, how deep are you truly at this point? And again, it goes back to my situation, or my, my opinion would be, well, we, we haven't had a chance to play these guys. So when they get in, well, what do we expect? They hadn't had a chance to get major burns on the field in a critical situation. They throw them out there, and they had to throw them out there in the back at the back end of a Florida game when they're facing uh, what is another historic offense on the other end. So um, just bad luck a lot, but it, mostly attrition is my opinion. But I mean, they could play better, I mean, they, and they'll tell you that first firsthand. I mean, but the the great thing about what George is doing on film this year is. I don't see nobody quitting. When you when you look at tape from every other school in the conference, not every other school, but every other school that's not in contention where they're not fighting for a playoff, that you, you turn on the tape, there's a lot of guys loafing, and Georgia doesn't have that. So that speaks a lot yeah. to me about culture, first of all. But the defensive performance, it was irrational to think that they were even going to, you know, come close to hanging. They had a lot of depth this year, but that depth got cut immediately. I think that's a great point that doesn't get – Kirby doesn't get enough credit for something like that, that because you're absolutely right. There's only one reason – that you don't uh, loaf or quit on the team or we don't have a million guys leaving uh, the program once the SEC championship game is out of the picture. And that's culture. And all of that culture comes from Kirby Smart. And so um, while it has not been – Especially this year, Daniel, when you're like, you know, kids are faced with the decision of, I I can just go home, I can finally see my mom in like the first time in eight months. So that would be cool. Um, right. I'm yeah, and this is home. this is the year when everybody gets a pass for yeah. you know it, quite like, literally nobody quite literally, is, the NCAA gave it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So nobody is getting yeah you know, nobody is getting um, dumped on for leaving their team in the middle of a season. And so uh, the fact that that hasn't happened to Georgia, I think uh, I think is a good thing. All right, let's talk about the like Kirby Smart and the big picture uh, because you mentioned bad luck this year. I think Georgia fans would tell you. I don't know how long you've been following this team, Brooks. Um, but I, mean, I, I live I live in the state. And I follow football. I mean, it, wasn't my yeah. jo- it wasn't my job for the longest time, but I'm I'm aware what's going on. Go yeah, ahead. right. So I think <laughs> lifelong lifelong Georgia fans will tell you that that those words "bad luck" that they're synonymous with the program. That that's it. That's who we are. Are you a lifer? Uh, and that's that, yeah, absolutely. You're a lifer. Born, okay. born and I raised. Know. I was yeah, born and born and raised, and so. Uh, I'm familiar with suffering, quite, quite familiar with suffering. But so my question to you is this, uh, when you look at this program from a big picture standpoint, from a, and the big picture is national titles. That's what Georgia is striving for. Nobody's making any bones about that. Um, Well, let me just ask you a a kind of a true or false question. True, true. Is it true or false that bad luck is the only thing standing between Kirby Smart and an eventual national championship at the University of Georgia? Or are there other big picture things that you see as like, well, we have to address this if we're really going to get over the hump? Or is it just all the cards have to fall the right way one year and that's it? That's we're just waiting for that year. You want coach speak? No, give it to me. Let me try to 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 answer this question on Kirby. All right, here we go. Kirby, there, 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 here we go. There is no such thing as bad luck. Okay, look, um, 
you know, Clemson and Alabama, they're in there every year. Are they just yeah. that much luckier than everybody else, or are they doing something different than everybody else? Okay, right. I don't, we don't believe in luck around here. We believe in every day getting better, <laughs> going out there every day and giving ourselves the opportunity to win. That's what we're about, okay? So, uh, no, we don't believe in luck. Next question. All right. That's, that's well, not, next question, Kirby, me. is why, why, what, what is it going to take for you to win a national championship if it's not some good luck? Hey, man, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I can't do the coach. I was about to go straight into – I was about to go straight into we got to play the game for four quarters. Like, that's – my coach speak was ran out, man. That's all, all no, I got no, next you, was we got to play a full four-quarter game. But, nah, um, you got to make the right – you got to make the critical decisions. I think that's what we've seen with, with uh, you know, Dambo Sweeney and Nick Saban. And you got to make the critical con- the decisions at the quarterback position. Trevor Lawrence over Kelly Bryant was a critical decision. It yeah. has changed and, and it has gone through the second stage of their revolutionary, you know, program. First, it was yeah. Deshaun Watson. Okay, that was – you could call that luck, getting Deshaun Watson out of Georgia. But is that really luck? Is that luck? To come down into to Georgia and pick out the best quarterback that – he literally has the record for passing yards in, in Georgia high school football. He is, yeah. he is probably well, the best high school football ever statistically. And they pulled him out of here. So, that wasn't really luck. Um, and then you get to Bama – and it was Tua Tagovailoa over Jalen Hurts. That was a critical decision at a critical moment in a football game. Um, I, I haven't seen Kirby make the critical decision yet. But then again, it took Dabo Sweeney seven years to figure that one out. I mean, Nick Saban was coaching for 15 years before he was, like, really comfortable and, and in, his, in his own skin to make those type of decisions. He just recruited better than everybody else, and it gave him an opportunity. Well, now everybody recruits better than everybody else, so you got to make critical decisions. And Kirby's only been doing this for, what, five years? He's, he's young. He'll get there. That's what I believe. He'll get there. You got to give people reps. He's, he's in his early 40s. You got to be patient. That's the thing. Nobody wants to be patient. Yeah, nobody wants to be patient, least of all me. Uh, but I agree with you. And, and I do. I think it's those, it's those coaching decisions and not necessarily in-game coaching decisions. You know, the, the Tua over Jalen was an in-game coaching decision. But, but most of those critical decisions, I think, are not. It's not a fake punt that cost Georgia the national championship. No, no, championship. I was That's, I was almost exclusively talking about the critical decisions at one in particular position. It's off the field, yeah, critical decisions in terms of like who who starts at quarterback mm-hmm. and all that, which is I think to go back to the the first question, I think what makes it so important in my mind that JT Daniels comes back because then it takes that decision out of Kirby's hands. We know mm-hmm. who we got at quarterback. We can sit Vandegrift on the bench for a year and let him get ready, and then the team will be his after that, or Carson Beck's or whoever it is that wants to win that job. That's fine. Yeah, uh, it, right. would be, it would be ideal to spend all year next year having Carson Beck and, and Brock Vandegrift going to practice every day fighting for 2022. Wouldn't that Absolutely. be wild to That'd watch them? I, man, buy me a ticket. I'd pay, I'd pay whatever. They ought, to, they ought to sell that one to somebody. Just you want to watch a couple of practices yeah. of Beck and Vandergrift duking it out on scout team because they ain't going to hit them. That, and, and scout team, that's the thing. They ain't going to hit them. So both those dudes are going to try to throw 85 yards every time they, they, they <laughs> drop back and throw the ball on scout team. That would be incredible to watch them two duke it out. Um, I just hope – I, I want to see them get the opportunity. I don't want, I don't want somebody to back out. And, and, and I want to see them grow and fight it all the way through and then keep fighting it. In the spring of 2023, I believe that was my number. My math's not very good. Uh, but, yeah. You know, but that's once, once the year's turnover, season. I get lost. I think we're talking them battling 2022. 
and then or 2021, they fight it out all the way through the spring of 2022, and then whoever wins gets the job. Fight it yeah. out for a good 18 months. They have, we haven't seen they have you haven't seen that at Georgia. Uh, no, you haven't, and that's what I was going to say. Somebody's going to transfer. I mean, Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff are not going to finish their Georgia. I mean, I hope surely. Hope if I'm wrong I if, and all that stuff. If I but could, like, go ahead. I was going to say if I could speak to either one of them, I would say just give it like fight it out for at least 18 months. That's what I was going to say. That's what I want to see. Somebody's going to transfer, and I get that. All right, the, yeah. both these kids are too good to sit the bench for that long. But mm-hmm. but but I want to see them not transfer until they lose the job. So like give us a full, you know, a full year and a half of competition, like you're saying. All right, we got we got a couple more things we're gonna get to um right after we get back from this last break. All right. I know you're covering some recruiting, Brooks. I know you right now on um on some of your stuff, you're breaking down some some of Georgia's commits. And so Mm -hmm. I want to get into a little bit of that uh before we get out of here who who is the most important commitment the current commitment in georgia's upcoming signing class if you had to Quarter, if you quarterback had to, unincluded yeah sure okay so brock is the most important yeah, let's that's take, fine. let's take let's that take out. him out it's too easy so yeah after him who's the most important commitment that we already have locked up i'm i'm very, very interested to see two guys play on both sides, one, one on each side of the ball. I mean, okay. Amarius Mims, everybody wants to see that, okay, obviously. But yeah. if if you really watch what Amarius is doing and what, who he's playing against, okay, you're going to get a good chance at it at Raven County this weekend. That's actually like a, a decent-sized football team. He ain't playing the Giants down there in 2A ball in South Georgia. So <laughs> I'm not saying I'm worried about the transition there, but – because I know I know what kind of like work ethic he's got. He's going to make the transition. He's going to figure it out. He's going to play hard every day in practice. And he's so talented, he'll ultimately catch up with it. It's always important to have a good left tackle, duh. But I, I'm really excited to see Brock Bowers on the offensive side of the football and what they intend to do with him. Okay, and, okay. and we, we we can get into a reek if what at another point or whenever you want to. Um, if that ends up there, you got something like really really crazy. I think you just stay in 13 personnel all day. If Avery Gilbert ends yeah. up in Georgia, you, yeah. you you have one running back, a quarterback, Darnell Washington on the end line of, of the scrimmage, and your two wide receivers, just like Bama, and, and another sniffer, and make Darnell the guy on the end line, make Brock Bowers the other one, put Avery out at, like a wide receiver, okay? You're basically trading out you, Jermaine Burton and, Dar- and Avery Gilbert outside, two wide receivers, Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers. You basically got your version of what Alabama does, except for you just turned out uh, Devontae Smith for Avery Gilbert. That's what it would look like if, if you had all three of those. So it could get really, really crazy. That's why I'm excited to see what Brock looks like because um, I think he's that talented. And on the other side of the ball, it's not only green. I know we just signed him or Georgia just signed him. Um, yeah. But, you know, to me, it's like a it's a it's a ceiling thing. And, and you know, knowing what the kid is um, and, and how good he possibly could be. Um, I'm really excited to watch him in college. And he's crucial as well. Um and a guy that I was watching the tape on last night that I was just smitten with, and, and you know, there's all this talk about having landed Smile Mondon, who's a great player, don't get me wrong, um, and, and all this hype about potentially signing Xavier Sori. Um, but Jamon Dumas Johnson is special. Okay. So if, if he ends up playing in a couple of years and, and everyone's like, oh man, remember, remember when we also signed him in the yeah. 2021 class? Because he yeah. is. He is special, okay? And he's played inside linebacker for a long time. So I'm excited to watch him play as well. 
Um, I would say those guys are the ones that, you know, those four, I, I would say that's who I'm putting all my money on. If I'm, if I'm like buying stock right now, like I always do every year, I always pick three or yeah. four guys and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to sell out. That, that's my technique. I find my guys and I, I, I make my opinions and I don't fold off of them. Um, and, and those might be my four guys this year. It's fascinating to me. We talked about Gilbert on Wednesday's podcast. I'm skeptical that it's that that Georgia is the place where he lands. I think that homesick line just sometimes gets overblown, and you know the why, kid. Why the, the, why the skepticism? Uh, because I'm a Georgia fan and I'm jaded mostly, <laughs> uh, and. And I've been I've been hurt too many times. So why would I open myself up to be hurt again when he's so he, honest? <laughs> like he's he's just gonna go to Bama anyway and break my heart and like whatever. It doesn't it turns out it didn't really matter about coming home. He just wanted to get the hell out of LSU because who wouldn't want to get out of LSU? Oh man, uh, these Talk about days. a dumpster fire. It's, it's Seriously over there. Uh but Holy it's smoke. fascinating to me that you mentioned Gilbert and obviously Darnell Washington. Those are two pretty freaking good um pass catching mammoth human beings uh that georgia would have at its disposal and you're still mentioning bowers as like an even if those two guys are on the team that this is a guy that's too good to not be on the field we have to adjust our personnel to get this guy on the that's a that's a high praise to me right, so like that that's where you're putting this kid so here here's the deal these next wave of tight ends that georgia's going after they, they, they are going to be the, the studs, okay? In 2021, it's Brock Bowers. Last year, it was Darnell Washington, okay? Mm -hmm. They were in on it late with A. Rick Gilbert. It, it's not just Georgia. These things are being created. They're everywhere, okay? Yeah. These, so, in, 20, yeah. in 2022, it's a guy by the name of Oscar Delp that they're zoning in on. They want him better than anybody else. I said on my Twitter feed the other day, I think he's the best uh, tight end in the state of Georgia in 2022. And there's some pretty daggum good ones. Um, there's a Notre Dame commit, two Notre Dame commits thrown in there, um, and and a Michigan commit in 2022. So there, there's some good ones in 2022 at the tight end position, and Oscar Delp I think is the best one. Um, I had a staffer, uh, an SEC staffer, text me immediately after I tweeted about it. He said, "Yes, yes, he is. In fact, I think he's the best in the country." Was the opinion I got from a coach in the in, in the conference. So um, I, Oscar Delp's nasty too. That it, it's just going to be like that moving forward. And then you get into 2023 and they've signed Pierce Sperling or committed. I uh, got a commitment from Pierce Sperling already. He's six foot six, yeah. 200. I think he's up to 223 last time I spoke to him. So they're, they're getting bigger and bigger. They're getting faster and faster. They're all looking like wide receivers everywhere you go. There's, there's one of these. And what's created this is seven on seven. Because all these behemoths, the only way they can play it, it, during the summer and get work is to get out on the edge. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody, ain't no tight end in, this, in the country doing blocking drills during the summer. Yeah. They're all running, they're all running routes and getting real freaky at 245 pounds. So it, this seven on seven culture has birthed these individuals. It's almost like the three point shot in, in the NBA. It's just one thing happened, and then all of a sudden the the game has changed forever. The game has currently changed forever at the tight end position. That's where all the freaks are going. That's fascinating. That's that's um yeah. That it does seem that it's moving that way. But as a casual observer, you don't think about like the cause of that, and to link that back to seven on sevens, yeah, that's that's a that's in, that's interesting. All right, that's the commits. That's the most important commits. Now I gotta ask you about the most important target left. So, so who's the most important guy that's not in the fold right now? Uh, the barber, Xavier Sori, 
is a very, okay. very important recruit. He's Kirby, a, he's a Kirby said, Kirby's, Kirby's hitting up the social media. We're, we're putting yeah, out videos Kirby. now for guys hey, that getting, have not committed I'm telling you right now, school. hey. What's Daniel, happening? Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. Na- name, image, and likeness is about to turn this whole thing out. Okay? You might you might mess around and see kids up in commercials for these recruits sometime soon. I mean, they they yeah. don't have cameras everywhere. Okay? They, 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 they've started you, – you got to start selling these kids or allowing these kids to sell themselves. And whoever sells themselves the best – um, in terms of their name, image, and likeness, probably has an advantage. So you're going to have to, as a coach in college football, especially in the SEC, if you want to recruit at the highest level, you have to be a personality. You absolutely yeah. have to be. You have to be able to walk into people's room and take over the room. Kirby can do that wherever it's at. Put a camera on him, he'll take it over. Like, that's yeah. just how he is. Same thing with Nick Saban. That's why Nick Saban's at 1,000 commercials because he just, he walks in and he's just him. He ain't never known how to do anything other than just be him. So that's how both yep. of them are. And they're, they're really good on camera, and that's why they're going to dominate these types of things. Um, I, I just don't I, – I, tell me the rules. I don't know if you can openly just be like – you know, <laughs> obviously you can because he wouldn't be doing it. He plays strictly yeah, by the I rules. Mean, he's got but compliant it's like, people, if you do, I'm sure. If you do it, any yeah. research, if you do any research, you knew who he was talking about in that video. Like, you don't. Absolutely. So he knew what he was doing. Everybody knew what oh, he was doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it must, it must be cool. He's doing it because everybody knows what he's doing. Most, most importantly, Xavier Sori knows what he's doing. So that's, uh, I mean, that's that's how recruiting is these days. So all right, so he's he's on the list. Who else? Who else in terms of most important targets that the casual fan needs to be excited about when you break the news that they committed to Georgia? <laughs> I'm not, I'm, these kids are. I'm not breaking the news that they're going to come to Georgia, but um, a guy like Donovan Edwards and Mason Smith, those two guys would be absolutely insane to, to add to this roster um you don't know how much attrition back to that word we talked about earlier you know how much attrition you're gonna get uh, at the running back position is James is James Cook coming back is Zamir White coming back you don't know that at this point so you have to recruit as if they're not you have to yeah. you have to pay, place precedence as if they're not um same thing on the other side you know if Jordan Davis is coming back you don't so you got to recruit with precedence at that position as well you um, you know that so, Jordan Davis is not coming back that's that's factually I mean there's hey there's, man yeah. No yeah. Okay. Jordan Davis. Yeah. Like that. No, no. That big boy is about to go make a lot of money. That's uh, not- a, a good bit of money. A, a yes. good bit of money. A good bit I think of money. He, he was definitely in my list the other day. I put out on Twitter about guys I believe would be heading off to the NFL draft early. Um, it is. These are the guys I think might leave. Um, Aziz Ojolari, if he don't come back, that is a. I love playing for the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm telling you right now, that is a first round draft pick from what I've been talking to about with NFL, NFL draft scouts. Jordan Davis, that's a top 40 pick if I've seen one in my lifetime. Uh, Tyson yeah. Campbell, uh, there's a lot of buzz around him. And I, I can show you one video of him dropping in cover three, flipping his hips and coming downhill to the sideline and breaking up a pass. Um, I believe it was against Tennessee. And it would blow your top off to know that he's six foot three and runs a four three eight. So that, that kind of stuff is just going to – you're just going to be able to show it to an NFL evaluator and they'll salivate first, draft him in the second round second. So yeah. that's the type of kid that can lead to. Eric Stokes has played absolutely phenomenally. He might not be back. And uh, what, what's going on with Zamir White? And what's going on uh, with James Cook? And we know Trey Hill. I mean, that 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 smells like I just I up and I'm getting ready for the NFL draft if I've ever seen it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, um, yeah. I think those what's, are the guys um, you're talking about leaving. You don't think so? Guy like let's just see Jamari Sawyer. You think you think he's going to stick around another year? I think Jamari Sawyer. I think Jamari Sawyer is praying. Uh, um, every time he goes down to eat, when he says his prayers, 
I think he's praying that, uh, you know, Broderick Jones or Marius Mims is ready to start taking over and playing left tackle so he can get back to guard. Yeah, because um, that's where he wants get, to get drafted, yeah. I mean, if he's going to the NFL, it's at guard. Now, he did a, he did a great job this offseason of getting to down. I, I, I was told he was under 300 pounds. He was like 297 pounds. He looked incredible. Um, and then you take a look at him kind of now, and he's, he's kind of back to looking like a guard. So um, it, it, it's kind of hindered his play as well. So I, I don't know if he's, he's ready to go to the NFL draft, and I don't know if he's confident based off what he put on tape this year uh, or, or whether or not he's going to get the type of feedback he wants from the NFL this year as a junior. He's certainly talented at the guard position. He becomes a road grader, and that athleticism that gives him enough to at least get by at 335 pounds out on the left side or 330 pounds, whatever he's weighing right now, um, wh whatever athleticism he, do, he has to be able to do that is going to make him an incredible prospect at the guard position for the NFL. So I think he let, 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 me, let, me throw, let me throw this one to you as a last question, kind of a, kind of a wild hypothetical prediction type of question. What, who is the highest drafted player currently on Georgia's roster? at the time that they go to the NFL draft? Oh, man. If Pickens would have had 800 yards this year, this isn't even a question. You don't even ask me this. Yeah, well, Pickens got another year, so he'd get 800 yards next year. I mean, he, need, he needs 1,200 yards next year. There, he, he's, got a, he's got a ball out to go, like, top, top 25 picks. He's got, he has to. Okay, he, can't, yeah. he, can't come out, he can't come out next year and, and, and go for – 650 yards no matter how many people are double teaming okay uh you ready to throw giving, you ready anybody giving Devontae Jermaine, Smith those excuses but um, Jermaine Burton Jermaine Burton is a top 10 pick you ready to I do whoa no that's throw down he, on that? he's got he's got to go for like 1100 1200 yards for two two seasons at least to be that because of his frame Nicobe Dean Nolan Smith well actually Devontae either those guys the same size say what Nicobe Dean, Nolan Smith, either of um, those guys. Nicobe, top 10 picks? I, I do that. That's who I would probably throw my money on. Nicobe Dean to be a top fifteen pick. Let's set it at that. Top fifteen. Surely pick. there's at least one player on this team that's a top fifteen pick. Surely. Yeah, Surely. I mean, you, you say I mean, you say you say it like that. If there, JT there, Daniels there was one comes last back, year, if JT there was Daniels one last comes year. back next year, JT Daniels is the answer to this. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. If JT if Daniels comes, comes back, back next, next year, year, yeah. Yeah, if that's he's got the caveat. We're talking top five. top five pick, maybe. He's got he's got top five pick potential next year, so that's not even a question. No, yeah. So that's uh, if he if but he goes this year, this year it's like, be late it's like maybe round. third round. That's the other thing I don't think people understand about quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are a totally different decision when you go to the NFL draft. Jalen Hurts, I think, was the first quarterback draft in the second round in like a decade and a half. Like teams either draft you in the first round to get your fifth or your extra year on your rookie deal, or they wait until the third or fourth round to pick you up. So yep. it's really a gamble for these kids. If you're not in the top five every heading into the draft, like even before you head to the combine, it's probably wise to come back for next year if you have potential like that. If you've maxed out your, your floor, if you've reached your floor um, or your ceiling, it's, it's probably not something uh, that you, you just need to head off. You just need to go on and go because uh, you're not going to get better. It's not going to maximize anything. But um, most, most of these kids, they're not in that top five pick. They need that fourth year or that next year. Brooks, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time. Uh, tell the people where they can find you in case they are not already familiar with you. Where can they find your stuff, your work? Yeah, so, I mean, I, if you're on Twitter, you can just find me at Brooks Austin S. I do a pretty good job of 
stuffing my 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 content down your throat over there. So you can just follow me there. If you're not on Twitter, um, if you're YouTube, if that's your interface you prefer, um, you can just search Brooks Austin over there. I got a bunch of stuff over there. Um, if you want me all the time, pretty much 24 seven, uh, and, and all the content I produce, literally everything I do, um, it's on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. Um, and, and you can find out anything you want to know. Um, we, we open up a lot of things in terms of giving most of the, most of the, the uh, people in the community of that Patreon account drive the content of our show. It's more of a, Hey, what do you guys want to see? They talk it out. They, they, they understand what they want to see. And, and we go from there. That it's a, it is a, uh, customer driven platform. Um, and that's the way I like it to be. So patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. Guys, get over to him, subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow him on Twitter, hit up that Patreon. Um, this is the guru that you need to be following <laughs> when you want the film broken down. Daniel, for can I you. ask you something? Yeah, man. You seem like a pretty smart guy. I've had a couple people yes. call me the That's guru. That's kind of you. I, I've had a couple people call me the guru lately. Did I, did I swing and miss on branding myself the film guy? I felt like it was too arrogant to call yourself the film guru right off the bat. No, man, you got to go. Guru. Oh, listen, this is literally the tagline of our podcast is that we are not insiders or gurus. We are just Georgia fans. And so like you are the exact person we're talking about when we say <laughs> we are not this guy. Like we're just Georgia fans. And we look at your stuff when we want to know what's really <laughs> going so on. Uh, so yeah, that's, that, that's who you are. You gotta, you gotta own it, man. What'd you say? It's image and likeness. That's what, that's what yeah, it is. Right. Like that's, Boom. you gotta get yourself out there. Film, film guru. Uh, I just thought, man, here's the deal. I consider myself a master's degree in football. When I feel like I've earned the PhD, I'll go from God to guru. It'll be All like right. dropping the, the in Facebook. Instead we'll of going to Facebook, <laughs> I'll, I'll just be Facebook. You know? All right. Well, we'll be anxious. You are my waiting. Justin Timberlake, Daniel. Thank we'll, you. We'll be waiting for the day that you make that switch. Uh, Brooks, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back on Monday. Enjoy the Missouri game tomorrow, and we'll talk to you guys later.